0: Good day, you're listening to Ability Radio, I'm one of your hosts, Kishma B. Francis of the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands, and we are joined today by, um, with actually, Rebecca Russell, and she is no stranger to the Virgin Islands. She has lived on St. Thomas, she has lived on St. Croix, and today we want to talk about parent advocacy so before i read off rebecca's long resume um, which is very well um, and has a lot of experience i am going to let her tell you about herself
1: rebecca hi good morning everyone of course my name is rebecca russell i'm originally from st thomas lived on st croix for over 20 something years i do have a son with down syndrome My advocacy started in St. Croix because of my son with Down syndrome. Um, He's 19. He was born in 2004. Um, I found that there was a need to do that because resources were scarce Um, at the time. Maybe still now. Some people are afraid to say that their child may have a disability or anything of the like, And I found that was the trend. And it was hard because involving him in Head Start, I was up against parents who would be like, I don't want my child sitting next to him because they might get Down syndrome. So that kind of sparked something in my head. I'm like, okay, we need to kind of educate our population on what Down syndrome is. And that is not actually something that you can catch. It's more of a genetic condition, which means the makeup when he was being made. There was a triplication of his 21st chromosome. So there's nothing you can catch by sneezing or touching. So my advocacy started there. I had a nonprofit organization called MJM Discovery Code. It advocated for individuals at the time with Down syndrome, but I expanded to all disabilities. We held workshops, presentations, we went into homes of persons who had children with disabilities who are afraid to come out and say, you know, my child has a disability, I need help. Um, we brought in teams of medical personnel from stateside. Uh, we had seminars at UVI on St. Croix, and it went very well. We reached a lot of people. Um, the advocacy extended to buddy walk. So October is National Down Syndrome Month. So all across the continental US, there's body walk. So I brought the body walk to St. Thomas and actually St. Croix as well. We did that for a few years while I was there. We advocated for March 21st, which is World Down Syndrome Day. Why March 21st? Because that signifies the triplication of the 21st chromosome that causes those who have trisomy down syndrome to be intellectually disabled. So I also brought that to the community and we did reach a lot of people. Um, there's a lot more work to be done regarding all disabilities on island. And it's very important to advocate for your child or people with disabilities because the human rights need to be met as well as their basic needs educationally and everyday needs need to be met. So
0: I have a question for you because, you know, when getting to know you, I've learned more about the advocacy you've done on um, St. Croix. But how important is it for the parents to actually educate themselves on the diagnosis of their child? And if you could take us back to when your child was diagnosed, that feeling, etc., and the educational process.
1: So going back to me, he was diagnosed after he was born at uh, four months. So I had absolutely no clue about anything, anything being quote unquote wrong with him. Um, again, diagnosed at four months. So I was at the stage of what am I going to do? Why me? And you know, that question that you ask God, like, why do I have to go through this? I went through the depression stage. I went to the anger stage. I went through the, I'm giving up my hand stage. All of the emotions you could think of, I went through it. But then at the end of the day, I just do what I had to do in order to make sure his quality of life will be at a, a standard that it would be beneficial for him. I needed to improve every aspect educationally i have to i had to advocate for him because i'm his number one cheerleader i know him best and i need to communicate to the schools the therapists who he is what he does what he's not able to do at home i need your help so we can do this together because at the end of the trail we need to prepare him for further education employment, independence, which will improve his quality of life.
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. And
1: education is
0: important. And here at DRCBI, we try to educate the parents to educate themselves about the diagnosis of their child, because the more you know, the more questions you get answered in your head and probably ele- alleviate some of those fears with the more you um, research about your child's diagnosis. So, we talked, I remember we talked recently and you said that you went into people's homes to educate them. How was that process of just going into someone's home and telling them it's information that you know we're always so apprehensive about hearing.
1: So, while I was doing the the buddy walk and world down syndrome they, they, there were people came up to me and said, listen, is a woman behind there that have a child, so-and-so, so-and-so. Okay, so I knock, knock, knock on the door. I'm like, hi, I'm Rebecca, whatever. I explained what I did. Melkia was with me, and it was weird at first, but at the end of the day, the parent looked at me like, you brought your child here to me. Your child looked like mine, or your child has deficiencies like mine. You have some sort of sincerity in what you're doing. So the level of trust kind of escalated like, okay, let me open my door to you. Because you, you have to get across that threshold. You, you just can't get across, oh, this is what I do. You kind of have to prove to them, this is what you do genuinely. And we, we can work together so we could come out you know, at the better end of of the trail. So this is what happened. And a lot of people were without insurance. Mm. They couldn't get help. A lot of people without finance. A lot of people were not documented citizens in the VI. So that was a deterrent because they fear getting deported. So what I went through with Melchia at his physical therapy, occupational All the therapies, I brought to them. So whatever I was taught, I went to them. If if he had therapy during the week, I scheduled on the weekend. I went to their homes to help them, to show them, and I brought Melkia with me. So it wasn't just, I'm telling you something, and it sounds good. No, this is what I do with him at home. I'm showing you all the paperwork, the brochures, the whatever, the pamphlets. I made copies and I shared it with them and they were very much appreciative of that.
0: Wow. Wow, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um when you talked about the buddy walk, um I just want to go back to that. The first buddy walk. You do you remember
1: how many people showed up? So the we, I held the buddy walk in Frederickstead. Um I would say it was more than a hundred people. Wow! Because you know our people, me, me coming out to that because we don't. Where and then I took it to Saint Thomas one year, and my alma mater, uh, Nazareth High School, they came out and they greeted me. So it was really, it was really nice. It was welcome. I mean, everybody. Had the little snacks or whatever so the point of the advocacy was to bring the concerns to the table and to the public which we did that we made a presence with that and that presence even at a time included the then governor DeYoung because i brought to his table rosa's law rosa's law was a law about a young girl, nine years old with Down syndrome, and the state where she lived was Maryland. So the mentally retarded words were used in derogatory formats. So Rosa's law started, of course, as a bill, which Mm -hmm. changed mentally retarded to intellectually disabled. I brought that to Governor DeYoung. I said, we need to make a change. We we need to take on this and have it recognized and move forward. And in fact, he did do a proclamation, I think back in 2010, not sure, that replaces the word mentally retarded with intellectually disabled or intellectually, yeah, disabled. That's what he did. And I was, I was, grateful for him to do that because it showed that he cared mm-hmm. and we brought it to the public so the public is listening we you know we had the public's attention and that is all what advocacy is about, getting the public to know what the issues or the concerns are and let's try to make changes of course for the better and if it includes policy changes then so be it
0: Yes, definitely. So you brushed over two things, and I just want to go back to it. First of all, you said Nazareth is your alma mater. Go Devoree, I'm a Devoree too. (laughs) Secondly, um, we talked a little bit about the stigma. There's a stigma associated with um, individuals with disabilities. And I've been trying to find a way to re-educate the community um, when, especially when it comes to individual disabilities, it's not anything negative. They have different abilities. Um, can you speak on that for a little bit? Because I really want the community to know an individual with a disability, they're not at a disadvantage, but they have advantages. So can you speak on that for me, please?
1: That is going to be an ongoing task because we still have people I, I'm sorry to say that are uh, close-minded or ignorant to things, situations out there in the public. And when I say ignorant, I don't mean that they're they're a terrible person or a negative. Per- they just simply don't know. Like an example, the young lady at Molly Head Start who didn't want my son sitting next to her daughter because he would catch she would catch down Sandra. She actually, she didn't know. And you you cannot chastise or judge somebody for something they don't know. So it is our job Mm -hmm. to educate. And education is not the little seminar this weekend and the little seminar next. It's ongoing every day, 24 seven. I I don't know how we're gonna reach everyone. Um, As you know, everyone, Things are rough. People have tension now for all kinds of reasons, job, don't have enough money or whatever to put something else on their plate to, to tell them, please take time to learn this. It takes a lot and it would, you know, people might not be as willing, but Kishwa, we have to go out there. We We need to have more programs for our population to be out in the community. Our population is not out in the community. I'm sure there's something in the VI where our disabled people can MOU with companies to go work or whatever. If that is so, that needs to be increased. If the schools have programs for the mainstream where they can learn electrical, nursing or whatever, where are the programs for our population to learn whatever skill or trade? Where are the programs? It needs to start from home then the school the schools need to introduce our population to our community so then they could welcome them at the business they could be a dishwasher i don't know but it it, we have to go back to the schools there's resources for the schools where the money where's the money going where the programs let's let's build on that let's get the, the government officials in let's go let's the programs if they're they're ready let's enhance the program let's widen the programs let's go and i I agree with you
0: that education is needed we need to educate our community on just disabilities the whole broad spectrum because a lot of our of the community that we serve they are being hidden away they're staying home And you're right, they're home because there's probably not a lot of places to go to or a lot of resources out there. So we need to educate and create more resources. Parent advocacy is a huge thing that I really, a huge platform I want to really build because if we have strong parents attending IEP meetings and advocating for their child, because parents know, they know what their children need, what their child needs. They know you know, what happens to their child after he or she comes home after school and in the middle of the night, how they sleep, what they eat, et cetera. So I want to build that parent advocacy platform where they can take it into the school and ask for services, ask for support. So let's talk a little bit about parent advocacy. Um, I know you and I, we spoke about um, PTA meetings and PTA meetings with, um, um, for special education. If you could touch on that a little bit and then
1: we'll go more into parent advocacy, okay? The public schools need a special education PTA, SEPTA Why? Because there are concerns that parents with children with disabilities that need a compassionate ear. The mainstream PTA, um, most of us know how that flows. The average parent who does not have a child with special needs and has never entered or even been around anything, anyone in the disability area does not want to hear at a PTA that you need to wipe my child's nose two more times or when my child has a bowel movement he needs they don't want to hear that they they're not they're not there with that mainstream pta have its own concern special education we have a lot of concerns that needs to be addressed that requires a passionate ear and a sensitivity hence they need to be separate from this pta we can gather information and data that that is needed for the programs that we can use that could help our population be more acclimated to the community, however it is. Again, I I don't know, they could go help a farmer. Whatever, we have to build it. We have to create it based on our our community's needs. That needs to be done. The, The parent have to, it's crucial, to advocate for your child, I'm gonna say, that IEP, the mainstream population and the average community community doesn't know, that IEP document, it's a federal document. It holds weight, but it takes a lot to dissect it and understand it where you're comfortable with it. So when you give the average parent this document and they're like, okay, 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 It's not okay. We need time to go through that document. So we need a training program to go through the document, what each section means, and reference it to the special education law that supports that section. So now the parent would understand, oh, so then I could do this. Yes, you can, based on the special education law. That correlates with section A of the IEP. We have to go back to that because a lot of parents do not understand the IEP. And when I say understand, not that they can't read, but understand the terminologies that's being used in the IEP that needs to be broken down into layman terms. So it could have a, a a more transparent transaction. Uh, with goals and objectives with the IEP, the child, the family, and the school. It will build a better relationship.
0: And not only the IEP, we need to also tell parents, because um, I just want to put it out there, you're talking about IDEA you know, under the Individual Disabilities Education Act. There's a part B which focuses on students that are in school, um, just say from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade, and there's a part C that's zero to three years old. So we want to, I just want to put that out there um, so, you know, our listening audience could know that In those laws, that law, in IDEA, it not only sets out the guidelines for IEP meeting, it also sets out the parental rights. It sets out the student rights when they become eligible students, too. So, but when you see all of these codes, all of these words, they come, they're a lot, they are a lot for a parent (laughs) and it's over they're overwhelming and you know you don't know if to look at 300.311 or 300.312 you know but like agencies like what we have we try to provide the information and try to break it down for them but the IEP it correlates with IDEA and IDEA literally tells you what should be in the IEP if you read through IDEA and as Rebecca stated when it comes to IEP it's very confusing to read you're right it's it's very confusing and sometimes they switch the format up on you real quick and you're like okay what am I looking for but we try to do um, workshops where we break it down for the parents this is why I think Parents should try to tap into as much resources that are available. Um, And if you don't know, reach out to someone. Don't assume and don't sign. Yeah. That's my
1: (laughs) federal document. That's a federal. They need to understand the weight that that document has. Don't
0: assume and don't sign. If you have any questions, reach out to agencies like ourselves. And if you don't want to reach out to agencies like the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands, reach out to someone like Rebecca, reach out to a parent who has been through the IEP process, who has knowledge of the IEP process, and who has knowledge of an IEP. Um, I know we're using the acronym, but just let me tell, it's the Individualized Educational Plan. Um, And for the students who are in Head Start and zero to three, individualized family support plan so just wanted to put it out there um and also another thing I wanted to talk about briefly was what the 504 plans 504 plans they're not under IDEA but they're under the Office of Civil Rights so students and parents need to be aware that look these are laws that protect individuals with disabilities when it comes to IEPs and you going in and advocating with the parents what do you think is the best advice that you could give a parent before they go into an iep meeting the best advice oh that's a good
1: one the best advice um remain calm don't get over emotional because it's, it's difficult when a parent goes into an IEP meeting because at times that parent is now slash the advocate and the parent needs to step aside and let the parent advocate step out. So as a parent advocate, you, you can't have the parent emotions in with the parent because you, you have dual roles. Remain calm because when, when you become upset, nothing will get accomplished. Nothing will get accomplished. Been there, done that. It won't, I mean, I'm not saying the person doesn't have a right to be upset. That's something totally different. But if I'm yelling and you're there, you're not going to take it well. And there is not going to be (laughs) any progress at that meeting. You have to remain calm. You, 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 You really have to remain calm. Write down your Questions or whatever, if you find yourself too much, write it on a piece of paper, put the paper across the table, let them answer it because there there's some IEP meetings that have, I've seen that got re- very violent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've seen come. some heated ones. Yeah. <laughs> if the parent feels they cannot do it, stop. I need to stop the IEP meeting. We need to reschedule again. Let me come again another day, whether I come by myself or I come with an advocate, stop the meeting right there and then, because it's only going to make matters worse. And you don't want that.
0: Yes. And you're right. Because I have seen some heated IEP meetings where the administrator is shouting, the LEA is shouting and the parents. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, but what happened to the child? <laughs> I go. thought we were here for the child. There so, go. It's all about, yes, you need support. I suggest that parents always take support with them to an IEP meeting, especially if they've been fighting um, or trying to get services for a long time. Get some support and read. Read everything before you go in there. And write. I like to write my questions down. I like to write questions down. And I I always tell parents also, if you want anything read into the iep as a comment you write it down the night before that little comment section is supposed to have anything that you state in there
1: supposed to better yet your parent letter that can be included hello there you go (laughs) that too (laughs) that too yeah
0: so we want to create more parent advocates we want to create um parent advocates that are not only knowledgeable about their um child but about the process so what i want to do is just thank rebecca for coming on today um because this was a hard topic we touched a lot of topics but this was a really hard topic that we touched on and Advocacy is important, education is more important, and we need to really, really re educate our community not about disabilities, but about the individuals in our community and how we can serve our community better. Thank so, you. this has been Disability Radio, and uh, I am your host, Kishma B. Francis. If you want more information, follow us at um, www.drcbi.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, and we are on YouTube. Thank you very much, Rebecca.
1: Thank you for having me. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters.